Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Cubitt. I'm going to talk to you today out of Psalm 105. So if you want to go ahead and turn there. Well, I'll get to it in a minute. We're about to start a series, a three-week series about redeeming your time. Buying back your time. Taking control of your time. And let me tell you, I've never felt more hypocritical than I do right at this moment. God always hits me where I live. You're all, Pastor Jim, you preach to us. Man, God preaches to me long before I get an opportunity to preach to you. Several months ago when I started thinking about this, well, about a month or two months ago when I started thinking about this series, I, this is the prayer I had with God. God, are you serious? Because <laughs> I, am, I am the worst at this. I, I, I think I have to work all the time or I need to work all the time or I need to prove to the congregation, to the city, the community, the, to God that I that I care enough to work hard enough to make him, you, them happy. And so I, I don't redeem my time. As a matter of fact, I, I spend it frivolously very often. And I think all of us do too. To some degree, all of us spend our time frivolously when God tells us we are to redeem our time. But that's easy to say. We live in a world that's busy. I don't know about you guys' world, but mine is 100 miles an hour all the time. What was it, Friday night? No, Thursday night. I went to bed at 7 a.m. on Friday. Did you catch that? Thursday night, I went to bed at 7 a.m. on Friday. Because there was stuff that had to get done. Where if I take time to rest, I could get that which needed to be done probably a lot more efficiently. But we live in a busy time. I always seem to have more tasks than time. There's always hustle and bustle. You're always moving. There's always something that's got to be done. Can I get an amen, somebody? Everybody's feeling where I'm coming from because everybody's trying to find an extra hour in the day. And if we continue to try to find that extra hour, we're going to find ourselves short of an hour all the time. This series, Redeeming Your Time, is going to be specifically focused on taking back our Sabbath. We are required, according to Exodus chapter 20, to take a Sabbath. A couple of you old-timers are going to be all, yeah, I've heard this before, and yet you're not doing it. It says this, remember in verse 8, chapter 20 of Exodus, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Did you catch that? Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. Some of y'all's problem is you're redeeming too much time. 
three days I labor and then four days I don't do nothing. That's unscriptural too. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, everybody say the seventh day, is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner, and who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. God got literally everything done in six days and did much more in those six days than any of us, and I know this is the obvious statement of the day, any of us could possibly hope to do and still rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Holy, that means he separated it from the other days. Now, what I'm not going to do in this series is I'm not going to talk to you about what a Sabbath has to be. You have to have a Sabbath on the Sunday. Or you have to have a Sabbath on the Tuesday. Or if you're Jewish, you have to have a Sabbath on the Saturday. I don't care nor do I thank God. I can't find evidence in the scripture where God cares what day you take. He, the command is that you work six and take off one. If your one is a Thursday, let it be Thursday, but commit to Thursday. Because we have been called to rest one day. It's for our own good. And we're killing ourselves trying to do something God told us not to do. Wondering why what we're doing in that seventh day isn't enough. I can remember when I was a kid. It was like seven years ago. And the desktop computer came out. The home computer. Some of y'all remember that? It was, it was about, the screen was about this big. The box was about this big. And it was absolutely going to revolutionize our life. I can remember listening to people on the television and my grandparents and stuff like that talk about this home computer. And this home computer is going to cut in half what it took the time, what it took us to do all day. It's going to make us more efficient. We're going to have so much extra time on our hands. Everybody was super excited about the home computer. But you know what happened? It didn't do that. It caused us to never be able to get away from the work that we were taking home and it actually cost us time because the vacuum of time is going to be filled with something and where we should be spending a day of our time in that vacuum in praise and worship and setting aside that which is holy to God we filled that vacuum with work instead but then we got laptops and laptops were going to be easier because they had a different program and that you could carry them with you and you could do all the stuff and then you got smartphones and then you'd have it all in your pocket and it's let me tell you man I could do everything on my I could do everything on my cell phone literally that I carried in my backpack when I was in high school there's a calculator in here there's a phone in here every book on earth I can read through here computer 
I can do everything. But you know what it does? It consumes us. It hasn't delivered us. It has consumed us. And we've allowed our lives to be consumed by our understanding of convenience. And the command that we have to rest has become anything but an opportunity to rest. We have got to take back our Sabbath. I'm saying this, I feel so provoked to this, because I believe that the reason we struggle, the reason we're always tired, is because we're not trusting God with the time that He said to give Him, so that He could refresh our soul. I don't know whether you tithe or not, but I think tithing your money and tithing your time are, are equally important and for the same reasons. When I tithe my money, God promises that what I have left over in the 90%, He could do more with than He can the 100%. And I believe the same thing's true about our time. If we trust Him with our Sabbath, He can do more with the six days than we can do with the seven days. As a matter of fact, we're going to do less in the seven days than we are capable of doing in the six days. Because God hasn't blessed that seventh day, which means He's not going to bless those other six days the way that He would if we took His commandment seriously and took a Sabbath. I preach you good today. Mainly because I'm convicted by it. But we have to get to a place where we recognize this to be true. And how do we do that? How do we know that God is going to take care of me? Because that's what it's about. When I first started paying our tithes, when Angela and I first started paying our tithes, we said, we're going to pay our tithes. Man, I hope we have enough money. What if we don't have enough money? And there were a couple times we didn't have enough money, but we paid our tithes, and at the end of the month, we ended up with enough money. It's about trust. Our Sabbath is about trust. Give up the seventh day in trust that God is going to be faithful in these six days so that you can. It's one of those, you're going to have to move first, bro moments you're gonna have to make a decision I'm gonna tithe from now on I'm gonna take a Sabbath from now on and watch God bless the six in a way that you could never bless the seven now this happens like I said when we have faith to believe that God will and that happens when we understand that God is faithful and so this lesson today is is really less about keeping the Sabbath and more about why it's okay to give him the seventh day. And here's the reason. Because the Sabbath is for remembering. What does the very first word of this commandment say? Remember the Sabbath day. What am I remembering? I'm remembering God's faithfulness. I'm remembering that he's always taking care of me, that he is taking care of me, and that he promises that he will continue to take care of me. And if he promises to be faithful, then surely I can be faithful. 
So first, he says this. He says, we have to remember God's past faithfulness. Like I said, I'm going to be in, primarily be in, and do a survey of Psalms 105. Which I know is 45 verses, which is a lot of verses when y'all are used to me doing about three. So I'm just going to do a survey. I'm going to run through it. We have to remember God's faithfulness, his past faithfulness. Remember that he remembers us. I was, I was expecting at least one amen, because that's a huge mouthful of word right there. You have to get to a place where you remember that God remembers you. And I can prove that in this text. Verse 5 says this. Remember his wonders. This is for us to do. Remember his wonders which he has done. His marvels and judgments uttered by his mouth. In verse 8. Why? He has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. I can trust God to remember, or I can remember because I trust that God remembers. And in that remembering, I should bring him praise. I should be completely in awe of his faithfulness. We should be in awe of God's faithfulness. We are here. You're thinking, man, I've struggled. I don't have the money I need. I've dealt with problems. I've been fired. I don't have the job that I want. But you know what? You're here. You got air in your lungs. You got clothes on your back. God has proven himself over and over and over and over to us. And you know what that means? That means we should remember the fact that he remembered and celebrate his remembrance of us. Psalms 105 one through four reads like this. And don't just, don't just hear my voice. Listen to it. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. We should remember that He remembers us. And did you, did you read what it just told us? Before He starts doing anything, before He starts recalling all the magnificent faithfulness of God, He said, let me tell you, God has remembered you. And because God has remembered you, you remember to give thanks to Him. It would be so much easier for us if we would recognize and learn that God has called us to be thankful for what we do have. Well, i got to work Saturday, or i got to work Sunday. I know that's the day I normally take as my Sabbath because i got to provide for myself. The Bible says that God takes care of His people and that we should be thankful that for the care that He has given us. So we make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. This is convictional for me. 
and it's probably to you too if you'll think about it. Because it doesn't say, sing at him. Sing praises at him. Or it doesn't say, sing around him. Or sing praises around him. What does it say? Sing praises to him. We sit in here, I watch y'all. Our worship sometimes falls short. Got our hands jammed in our pockets. We're looking around, mouthing the words. Magnificent, beautiful words about how awesome our God is. And we might as well be talking to that candlestick for as engaged as we are in it. But God calls us to something else. He calls us to sing to him, to praise him, to speak of all his wonders. If I got up here and asked every person in this room to come up here and give me three minutes worth of praise to God, and I mean, I want you to be enthusiastic. I want you to come up here and feel three minutes of what you're thankful to God for. I would be likely saddened by the fact that we wouldn't be able to do it. Not that we don't have three minutes worth of stuff to feel, but because we're not thankful enough to remember what should be filling that space, and so we have to search our own head for it. That's what worship is for, to bring these things back to us, to remember that he has remembered us, that he is faithful to us. Seek the Lord, glory in his name, which means praise his holy name. Let, your, let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Worship him, seek him, glorify him, magnify him. Talk about how awesome he is, how awesome he's always been, how awesome he continues to, to how, how awesome he promises to be. These are the things we have to remember if, in fact, we're going to trust him enough to lay down on the seventh day. Because if he remembers us, we should take the time to remember him. And so the rest of the psalm discusses exactly this, why we can't. Why can we trust God? Why can we trust God's faithfulness? We can trust God's faithfulness because he's never been unfaithful. Oh, that's, well, that's almost moronic. Except that it's not. I love the simple truths of Scripture. The simple truth of Scripture is that He promises to be faithful to us to a thousand generations. In verse 8, it reads like this. He has remembered His covenant forever, the word which He commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which He made with Abraham and His oath to Isaac, and He confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance and so he said I didn't just tell he didn't just tell Abraham he excuse me he didn't just tell Abraham he told Isaac and he didn't just tell Isaac he confirmed in Jacob 
But then he didn't just confirm in Jacob. If you'll read down a little bit further, he, he told Joseph and raised up Joseph and allowed Joseph to go into slavery. God can be trusted to be faithful because God has always been faithful. This, this text is just, it, it messes me up. In verse 12 it says, When they were only few in number, very few, and strangers in it, strangers in the land, strangers in the land that they had been promised as an inheritance. And they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people. He permitted no man to oppress them. He, he reproved kings for their sake. Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. So when they were just wandering around the desert, when they were already in their promised land, they said that they were in their promised land before they went to Egypt, God had to bring them back to their promised land. But while they were in Canaan, few in number, a famine came upon the land. But while they were wandering around, God didn't let anybody come against them. No king oppressed them, even though they were small in number. Nobody overcame them, even though they were small in number. Nobody... Nobody took advantage of them to a degree that was significant because God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God's always been faithful. You know what? I, this, I got one thing to say today. God is faithful. And he continues and he continues and he continues with this faithfulness. Can I, can I, I'm going to take this out for a moment just to address it. Because anytime I see something misused as often as this is, I feel like I should touch on it. Verse 15 says, Do not touch my anointed one, and do my prophets no harm. If you ever have an authority figure tell you that, so that you don't critique them, they're a false teacher. Because the anointed one are the people of God. Do you hear me? People say, you can't talk to my preacher like that, or you can't talk to your preacher like that, because the Bible says don't lay your hand on the anointed one. The anointed one is the believer. The prophet is assigned, and you shouldn't attack him either. But the anointed one is you. God anointed you. God protects you. God has been faithful to you. When you're in small in number, God watches out for you. God remembers you. God considers you. God sees you. Man, that's good. And he always has. You know why? Because he's faithful. You know why I can trust him in the seventh day? Because he's faithful in the six days. Y'all, I'm about to get saved in here. Then God sent Joseph, sold as a slave allowed him to become a prisoner so that Joseph may be tested. 16 through 24 tells this truth. And he called for a famine in the land, broke the whole staff of bread, which means that there was a famine, nothing to eat. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. He was sold as a slave, ended up a prisoner, raised up over Potiphar's house, and was placed in a position by God to take care of his people to show those people that God is faithful. You know what that tells me? 
That tells me there's no situation in my life, regardless of how good or how bad it's been, God hasn't been faithful. Whether I'm in a pit just be thrown there because my brothers didn't want me around, whether I've been sold into slavery, whether I'm in the bowels of the grossest prison on earth, or I'm in the king's palace, God is as faithful in the hole as he is in the throne room. Man, somebody need to tweet that. That's good. And because he's faithful in the hole and the throne room, I can trust him with the seventh day. Because in the sixth, he's never forgotten me. Hmm. But that's not all he did. Starting in verse 25, then God sent Moses to them to lead them out of Egypt. He used the time between Joseph and Moses to strengthen his people. He used the let me back, let me let me reword that. He used the evil Egypt to strengthen his own people to show himself faithful. Maybe your oppression isn't your oppression. Maybe your oppression is your protection. Maybe God's allowing you to go through some stuff so you can be strong enough to overcome an enemy. And so it says that he did miracles through Moses in 25 through 36, and I'm not going to read that, but it says he, he did those miracles that caused the Pharaoh to eventually release the people of, of the Hebrew people, which means that he provided protection for them. In 37 through 41, he ensured that they left with silver and gold, guarding them from the elements, gave them food and water, cloud over their head at night, or by day, fire by night. He made sure that they were provided for, which means not only did he offer protection from the enemy, but provision for his people. If God can offer protection for his people and provision for his people, he can provide and protect for you because you are his people. God is faithful. This is the only thing I'm trying to tell you today. Trust God with the seventh because he's been faithful in the sixth. But you have to start that process first. Not that God doesn't start being faithful whenever you commit to it. But it's proven that he's faithful when you commit to it. Hmm. Come on. Why did he do it? He, made, he did it to make good with his promise. Verse 43 through 45, and I'm going to read this one. And he brought forth his people with joy. His chosen ones with a joyful shout. He gave them also the lands of the nations, that they might take possession of the fruits of the people's labor, so that they may take they may keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. 
God made good with his promise. You know what's cool about them? They're no different than you. They trusted God. They trusted God sometimes when it was convenient to trust God, but they trusted God, but God stayed faithful anyway. How many times in the desert did they go, did you just bring us out here to die? And God says, no, I didn't bring you out here to die. Let me show you something. So I'm not telling you, I am telling you you shouldn't doubt, but I will tell you even in your doubt, God will prove himself to you as faithful. Somebody asked me one time, is it okay for me to say why, ask the question why? And the answer is yeah. Why did this horrible thing happen to me? Why did God allow this? Or why did God allow that? And the fact of the matter is the standard typical Christian Sunday school answer is God didn't allow that. But there's horrible things that God allowed. Why would he allow it? He would allow it to show himself faithful. So that at the end of the day, you know you could trust him. And in your trust, rest. That's the purpose of the Sabbath. Is to be a people of rest. So he showed himself faithful to remember his holy word. And he has been faithful to us. Has God ever been faithful to you? Has he ever been faithful to you right now? Yeah. You think back, what's God given you today? If I'm going to remember that God has been faithful, I should remember that God is faithful. He strengthened my body according to the word of God. I got strength right now to stand up here and talk. Lungs full of oxygen to talk to you. I've got the provision and care of a loving wife. I've got the provision of a ministry job assignment that I love to do. And I will confess to you as transparently as I can right now that I have asked God's forgiveness for thinking that I could outwork him in your life. Because that's what I've tried to do. Believing that I could outserve you, I could outserve God in serving you. I confess to that, and I repent of that. And I'm, from this point forward, I'm turning away from that. I will serve you on the 6th. Trust God to watch over you in the 7th. Because not only is he faithful in the past, he's faithful in the present. And I'm going to count on the fact that he's faithful in the future. Amen.